Okay, we are back at it. Uh, this is not Carson Cunningham. This is actually Kyle Porter. Carson is out sick. We had to record on a Monday because I'll be traveling the rest of the week. Uh, but we do have Kyle Boone, uh, who is a, a man of many talents, covers college basketball for CBS Sports, covers uh, a myriad of things for Pistols Firing. Kyle, how's it going? Doing all right. Doing all right. Just uh, enjoying the Monday and then coming down from a, a Bedlam high, a Bedlam win on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah. We, you, were, you were tied up, uh, I think, at the start of the game. When you first saw the score, where were you and what did you think? I was at the Apple Store and uh, I watched Kendall Smith. I actually, like, when I first tuned in, <laughs> Kendall Smith was hitting the shot that sent it to overtime. I, I believe that's right. And so I was like, I was losing my mind. I couldn't believe like what I was actually <laughs> watching because um, it, it was like they could just kind of folded a little bit in the final minutes and Trey Young was just doing Trey Young things. And then Kendall Smith just steps up and, you know, just drills the shot, send it to overtime. And I was just losing my mind. It was awesome. I think that's an important point about the final few minutes because I I actually forgot after the game that they that they started that they led twenty five to eight to to begin the game, yeah. And and it was an unbelievable start. And I think I said in our Slack chat, I said Oklahoma State's winning today. Like it just felt like it. And then they do the thing in the second half where they they sort of fell apart and they just they they get into this half court offense where they can't do anything. And Trey Young had like you know, 15 points in three minutes or whatever it was. And you're like, Oh, well, okay. I guess, I guess I was wrong. I guess they're not right. winning today. But then the ending was just, and the improbability of what happened, Mitchell Solomon stripping Trey young at midcourt. That's an insane sentence that I didn't yes. think I would say. And Kendall Smith hitting a, hitting a, a three that uh, he had guys surrounding him. He's, he's, you know, running and having to turn back the other way. I mean, it, it was, it was unbelievable. What what did you think about um, just Trey Young in general? I know you uh, you were all about write, <laughs> writing up him uh, complaining about the referees in the post game, but just w- what did you think about the performance that he had? Oh, he's. I mean, he was great. It's it's hard to rag on him too much because uh, he had forty eight points, but you also, you also have to keep into perspective that he sh- he did it on thirty nine shots. Twelve of his points were on free throws. Um, a lot of his shots and a lot of his possessions felt like they were really forced. And, you know, for, for two game stretch, uh, this week, he set a, a career high in, in turnovers. And again, on Saturday, he didn't set a career high, but he had seven Yeah, and he, it, he just feels like he's trying to do too much. And, but I mean, it's, he's still the national player of the year front runner. It's just, I think he's getting to a point where he knows like he's the show. He's why people are coming to watch. And I feel like he's trying to maybe, almost entertain people too much or try, try to take a shot that you're like, wow, that's a little bit way too far out. I don't know what you're doing. Kind of get an outside of his world, so to speak. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think he's fine, but um, he's also maybe the reason why OSU won. I think he just tried to do too much. Do you like watching him play? Uh, I, I did not much enjoy watching him play on Saturday, but overall I enjoy watching him play. I just think he's, you know, I, his impact on the game, him him being able to pull up from 30 feet, 35 feet from the logo is is pretty entertaining. I mean, it's it's really just the comparisons between he and Steph Curry go on and on, but it really is it really does feel like you're watching like a college version of Steph Curry. 
Yeah, Boynton said that, and I almost asked him about this in the post game because he mm-hmm. had come on this podcast and talked about how Steph Curry was his favorite college player to watch um, in his days of being either a fan or a player or a coach. And then he and then he said in the post game on Saturday, he said, "Trey Young's the best best college player since Steph Curry," and it's and it's not close. And I couldn't think of. Who had who had like won National Player of the Year between? Actually, I don't even know if Curry won it. I presume he did. But I don't between, think he did. Did he not? I'm I'm fairly certain he didn't. But there's been there's been other really good players. Like if you want to talk about maybe like most electrifying college basketball players, then you know Curry and and Trey Young are definitely in the conversation. There's some other people in there, but yeah, I mean you could make a case that he's he's definitely up there. Let's see. Uh, so Frank Mason won it, won the National Player of the Year last year. Buddy Heald. So they're going to have two in three years. That's unbelievable. Uh, Buddy yeah. Heald, Buddy Heald before that. Frank Kaminsky, McDermott, uh, Trey Burke. I don't remember. When was Curry in college? Like 11, 12? 2009. 8? Uh, it might have been when Blake Griffin won it. In 2008-2009? So you had... So since then, you've had Evan Turner, Jimmer Fredette. Anthony Davis was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Trey Burke, Doug McDermott, Frank Kaminsky, Buddy Heald, Frank Mason. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a case to be made. He... I think he is... And I, I wrote this. He is unbelievable when he plays like he did in Norman against Oklahoma State. Yep. Because I th- he had like 27 and 10 assists and 9 rebounds. And his ability to kind of stretch the floor towards half court and pull defenders out there just makes OU so good and and almost unstoppable in the half court in a half court offense. And yeah, he didn't he didn't capitalize on that as much. I didn't think. I, I don't know if Oklahoma State tried different things with him defensively or if he just wanted to shoot it thirty nine times. I mean the, the 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 rest of the team only shot it forty forty two times. Besides him, it, it was. It was unreal how much he shot, but I, I and the rest of the team wasn't great either. Like I, no. he, he kind of had to carry the team in Stillwater because the, the rest of the team was not was shooting just as bad as you know he was. So but, I don't know. You, you take I, your chances with Trey shooting rather than the Odomes or whoever Christian James. But I thought the I thought one of the problems was they couldn't get into a rhythm because he wouldn't give them the ball. I mean, you, yeah, you would you like, would go like four possessions between touches. And that's just difficult. But I actually thought Oklahoma State. I thought uh, Tavares Shine did a pretty decent job on him. Um, you know, Kendall Smith and and Brandon Everett. You can only do so much. But I thought they were they were pretty good on him. Uh, what? By the way, I want to ask you about this. What's the deal with with the half court offense? Like, why why are they so just? Why do they just look so lost in in the half court? Oh, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. What do you, what do you think the problem is? I mean, I I think they they are purposely taking as much time off the clock as possible because they want to win slow and they want to grind it out and they don't want OU on Saturday. They they can't run with OU. They don't have the guys to run with OU. So their you know their goal was to to muck up the game basically um, and you know get everyone off rhythm. But I think at times it, it gets themselves off rhythm is is probably my answer or what I think is wrong. Yeah, that's a good what do you, point. What do you think? Well, I think, I think the main issue and Boynton actually said this after the game, he said, I think we're a really good, right? he, he probably didn't say really good, but he said good three point shooting team. 
Mm. And he goes, he goes, I know the numbers don't show that. And we're like 20 games into the season, but I, but I still think we're really good because somebody asked him, how do you get a team out of a zone? Oh, you went to the zone on Saturday and Oklahoma state could do nothing. And then, and then, OU got out of it. And I was like, why are, why are you not, why wouldn't you play zone against this team? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think part of the problem is that they think they're a better three point shooting team than, than they are in reality. And they're on an all time, uh, three point attempt pace in Oklahoma state history. They're going to shoot more three pointers than any OSU basketball team ever, probably. And there's nobody on the team that you're like, man, that guy's a great three point shooter, you know, dizzy, but he, he plays like six minutes a game. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. That's a good yeah. point. So I, I personally, I think that is a lot of the issues. They just rely right. on that so much um, because they have confidence in it. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it, it doesn't at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were at the game on Saturday, you were covering it for pistols firing. What, what was the atmosphere like in, uh, in old Gallagher? Was she rocking? It was awesome. It was, uh, I was surprised at how many people were there. It wasn't overflowing. Like there was a Kansas game a couple years ago that it was like, well, there's no, there's no seats. Like the, yeah. it's all full. And this game wasn't quite like that, but it was pretty full and it was loud. I mean, the, the loudest moment of the game was the Solomon strip and, and shine dunk. It was, mm-hmm. it was insane. It was, it reminded me of, uh, when you covered the Baylor game last year and yeah. it got, remember when it got nuts at the end, it was loud, yeah. loud. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was what I presume that was like. And, and it reminded me of old Gallagher and early two thousands Gallagher and all the iterations of, of Gallagher that we've seen, but it's pretty cool. I, I, I told you this off the air, but if you haven't been encouraged or optimistic or excited about Oklahoma state basketball, you needed to go to that game. You needed to watch Boynton's press conference afterwards. And you combine those things with the fact that he's taken some swings on the recruiting trail. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, do you agree? Yeah. I, I, I was kind of all in on Boynton early and that was probably like, I got ahead of my skis a little bit, but I'm, I'm all <laughs> in on him. I, I really like him and I think he's going to be a good recruiter. I think he's a good coach. Um, what, if you're a Boynton doubter, what is it that, you know, what is it that's holding you back from buying in at this point? I know you're still like half a season sample size and, you know, over a three year span, you can evaluate him maybe again. But what do you think is, you know, Boynton's biggest detractors saying right now, other than he just hasn't landed a bunch of big recruits yet? Yeah, that was going to uh, – the two things are he hasn't actually landed a, re, a big recruit. Or he did, right. and then it, he decommitted. Um, thanks, Lamont. The, do what? Yeah, thanks to Lamont. It was like right after FBI probe came down. Yeah, thanks, Lamont Evans. Uh, and then the other one is um, you, you can look at their home games and say they could be 0-4 at home. Yeah. You know, they're. I know they're three and one, but they could they could pretty easily be zero and four because they they go to overtime with Iowa State, they go overtime with OU, and then they probably shouldn't have beat Texas because they were down, and then they came all the way back uh, at the end. And, but I mean, you, you know, that's why you play the forty minutes or forty five minutes or whatever. But I think 
I, I don't know. You're, you're, it's not like you're just uh, going out and, you know, w- win a game by 15 points or, or whatever. And, and I, I get it. Like the Big 12 is is crazy. I feel like coaches in every press conference after every Big 12 game field that question. But I, I think that's sort of the thing that you can point to and say, well, they, they really could be 0-7 in the Big 12. Yeah, easily. Yeah, it's something we can, you know, evaluate after the season and over the years. But, um, you know, this team was picked to finish last in the Big 12. That's that's pretty impressive in itself in the fact that they've even won games and they're not in last place. That's, you know, that's something. Do you think they're going to make the tournament? I don't. I still don't think they'll make the tournament. But Boynton said something interesting on Saturday that I wanted to ask you about. He said that... Um, the strength of the Big 12, which, you know, if you look at most of the metrics, Ken Palm is um, really high on Big 12 as, as the best conference in the country. He said the strength of the conference, to me, says that all 10 teams in this league are tournament teams. That's That would be, like, you know, unprecedented. That's never happened. But do you think that, you know, from Kansas down to Iowa State, that all could be tournament teams? Or is that, like, you know, a little bit of hyperbole? Uh... I think they could be. I mean, who who's the worst team? Like, who's the worst team in the league on on Ken Palm? Is it Oklahoma State? Um, it is. Uh, no, it's Iowa State. Yeah. Is that right? Iowa State. Yeah. Yep. Iowa State and, and, and Baylor second to last. Yeah. So, uh, is that right? Yeah. Baylor, okay. I mean. Iowa State is – I was talking to my dad about this on Saturday. Iowa State's kind of scary. You play them and you're like, ah, they kind of got some guys, you know? And and same with Baylor, uh, especially when LeCompte or whatever his name is is, yep. is hitting three. So it, it would be is, – is there a path like – I wonder what the, mo, what the highest percentage of, of uh, teams from a conference that have made the tournament ever is. I bet has seven Big Twelve teams made it in before. Yeah, for sure. Okay, maybe maybe eight. I, w- I would say this is probably like a seven bid league, maybe. But I can't I can't see you know like the fringe teams right now that have struggled early. TCU has struggled. They're two and five in the league, but could easily be like you know six and one. Uh, I still think they're a tournament team. Texas is probably a tournament team. Uh, Kansas State has looked good. And then the bottom half of the of the league is kind of interesting: Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State. Of those three, I think probably only one gets in, and I would say Baylor. But right now, that's that's not how the league standings are. OSU has three wins in this conference, and Baylor has two. So does Iowa State. So yeah. who knows? Maybe maybe OSU takes the spot that Baylor was projected to have, and that would that would be a huge coup. Just to even go to the to the big dance this year, I think, would be phenomenal. Oh, it'd be amazing. I, I think you yeah. probably have to, I think the number that I've seen is you probably have to get to eight wins, I guess. To, to yeah. Win. Eight and ten would probably do it. Yep. Especially especially beating Florida State in the non-conference. Uh, I w- we'll, we'll go through their final, I think they have ten games left, eleven games, to see if we can get them to eight wins here in a second. But um, we're going to do a toast. It's time for the Coop Ale Works Toast of the Week. Coop Ale Works, bringing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe ale works. And please remember to drink responsibly. I uh, just picked up some uh, a couple of cases from, from Coop over the weekend, so I'm excited about that. 
What kind? Uh, I got, I got, I got some Vader. I got some, uh, horny toad. I got, um, what else did I get? Some, the spare rib pale ale and then some F5. I dig it. Yeah. It was awesome. It was good to see those guys and got a new backdrop for the videos. So it's awesome. Coop's great. Yeah. We're, we're, we're cranking with them, but, uh, who are you toasting this week, Kyle? Uh, I'm going to toast Jeffrey Carroll. Um, you know, the last, OSU actually sent out a stat says the last time or the last seven times he was held under 10 points. Uh, he responded with monster performances, which is, you know, that's not a statistic, but, uh, on Saturday, just a day, a game after he was held under 10 points, he had 23 points, 13 rebounds, uh, you know, just shot after shot. He was super clutch down the stretch for OSU, uh, lifted, lifted the pokes in bedlam. And I thought it was, uh, exactly what OSU needs from Carroll to continue to win big in the big 12 and uh if when he's their best player i think osu has a shot to to go dancing so i'm toasting carol i think he was he was awesome and i hope he's he's awesome moving forward what are you toasting Uh, i'm gonna toast a vader (laughs) i think that's all i toast is vader's i love it he was awesome i he he stood out in that game on Saturday, not necessarily for his offensive performance, although he had 23, but for the way he rebounded, it it was, it was pretty awesome. He had 13 rebounds. He had a ton of just tip outs to keep balls alive. He was playing really hard on, on both ends and he played 43 minutes. Same as, same as Trey young. So he was impressive. Uh, I am going to toast an F five to uh, Scott Sutton, who, You didn't. You you couldn't. You probably didn't see it unless you're at the game. But he was out of his mind on Saturday. Fired up. He was. He was yelling at people. He was coming off the bench. Um. He he had a, he had one moment where uh, it was the last field goal that Oklahoma State scored. Uh. Kendall Smith drove for a layup and 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 Kendall Smith gave out a huge or let out a huge fist pump afterwards and looked into the crowd. And he was he wasn't getting back on defense basically, and and they called a uh, OU called a timeout, and he ran back over and and Sut- and Scott Sutton came out to Kendall Smith, and uh, you could read his lips. He said, "Don't you do that?" And he was talking about he was talking about uh, getting back on defense. He was I mean he was fired up. I, I don't know if he was as fired up as Boynton, who was literally tallying himself off like a boxer dur- like in overtime, but oh my uh, gosh. He, he was he was pretty pumped. It was it was fun to watch the the bench and the coaching staff on Saturday. So I'll toast an yeah. F five to him. Yeah, Boynton slapped the floor on defense. Am I right? Boynton slapped the floor. I asked him in the post game. I said, "Man, do you ever just look around and at the at the crowd and and this game? And you're like, man, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that I get to do this." And he said the first time that he's done that uh, was right before they went to overtime uh, on Saturday. He said he just looked up and he was like, man, you know, 12 months ago, nobody in this room even knew my name. And now, and now this, you know, he's like, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that was a cool moment. I thought that was a poignant thing from him. Yeah. To be able to step back and, and embrace and kind of take in the moment. That was a huge moment. That, the fact that they even got the win. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's the biggest win for Mike Boynton uh, so far as a head coach. So yeah. kudos to him. Okay, let's get Oklahoma State uh, to the NCAA tournament at Texas Tech on Tuesday. Any chance there? Uh, no, no. Yeah. I think just a tough, 
tough road place to play, and the fact that Texas Tech has struggled lately, I think they're due for a bounce back. Okay, so uh, still at three wins. TCU at home? Um, I think you got to win that one. I think you have to win that one. Um, do I do I think they'll win it? I'm going to say no. I think it'll be really close game, though. That that might, you know, you can't point to one game and say, well, if they win this game, they're definitely in. But that's a kind of a 50-50 game they need to win. I'll say they win that one, so I'll get them to four okay. wins right there. Then at Kansas, that's a that's a big no from both of us, I think. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Baylor at home? Uh, I'll give them that one. I think that one will also be close, but I'll uh, I'll give them a close win in this one to get the revenge from uh, losing in Waco. Yeah, I will too. So that's five wins for me, four for you. Then they got at West Virginia. That's a loss. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State at home. I think it's a win. Okay, I do too. So that's five yeah. for you and six for me. At TCU. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a win. I think it's just another tough road environment. It's it's tough to win games in the Big 12 on the road. So I'll, I'll say loss there. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen much of TC. I don't know if I believe in them totally. They've sort of fallen apart since the Big 12 started. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I still think I still think loss. Yeah. The, the problem the problem is you've already lost a home game, and to get to eight wins, you're probably going to have to win – a tough one on the road somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, where you, where's that going to happen? And and I think that's why Boynton was so upset about the Kansas State game because you're yeah. like, that's that's the one. Like, you could they could have stole that. Yeah, totally. So, anyway, you're at six or you're at five. I'm at six. Then we've got uh, Texas Tech at home. Um, yeah, that one's going to be a toss up. I'll say I'll say a loss. Texas Tech is kind of wounded right now. They've got Zach Smith out. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but if he's back, Texas Tech is really, really dangerous. But they've been kind of average just recently without him in the lineup. So uh, if he's back, I say OSU wins. If not, then um, then I'll say I'll say loss. So for now, I'll go with the loss. I think they'll they'll lose a tight one there. OSU will. I'll say win. So I'll get them to seven. You're still at yeah. five. Then we've got at Texas and at Iowa State. I think both of those are probably losses. Yep, I think so too. Although uh, it's weird that you know Ken Palm uh, does like the toughest place to play in each conference, and Ames of all places is actually the easiest place to play in the Big Twelve this year. <laughs> How stupid is that? That's so weird. Well, he's he's not factoring in the the Oklahoma State and Ames factor. So yeah, yeah, I'll factor that in. Uh, okay, so you're at five, I'm at seven, and then we got last game is Kansas at home. So. Under my scenario, you're basically playing Kansas at home to get into the NCAA tournament. Ooh, which would be crazy. I like it. That'd be awesome. But again, like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to win a game where it's like you beat TCU on the road, or you beat Tech at home, or you beat Texas yep. on the road, or, or something like that. And it's just there's not any games like there is in football where you're like, oh, that's a win against Kansas or Baylor right. or, or whoever you're playing in football. There's just no games like that. It's crazy. There, there are a couple teams that I think are maybe encouraging. I mean, you could, you could obviously point to the rest of the conference games, but I think Arkansas on January 27th is an interesting one. Arkansas should be a tournament team. If they can win there uh, on the road, that would be an interesting kind of 
uh, resume builder that is kind of off the radar. But in the Big 12, I would say there's some teams that are susceptible to losing. I think West Virginia uh, has laid a couple of eggs in league play that suggest that they could lay an egg. It's possible that OSU could just catch them on the right day. I think the same goes for TCU and for Texas Tech. I think both have been kind of susceptible to uh, bad losses. So I don't think they're totally out of it. I mean, I think it's totally plausible that OSU could sneak in the back door of the tournament. But uh, if it's Saturday, March 3rd, and OSU's playing Kansas for its eighth conference win, uh, I'm probably going to say that they don't get in. So I don't know. (laughs) It'll be tough. Ken Palm has them losing all of those games except for Baylor at home. Yep. So not great. Uh, okay, let's but really uni- close. Yeah, yeah. Most let's, of them. Let's talk uniforms. Let's get to this week's yeah. uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Actually, I actually stopped by Chris's University Spirit on Saturday, checked in on the uh, – the t-shirt operation uh saw our friend dustin up there and uh everything is looking good we've got we've got like a little wing in their in their back uh their back rooms their back halls of chris's so they've been doing That's a great awesome. job they have print, a have a picture of you shit. hanging up in the in the back there <laughs> no i have i have not made them trying that much to cut no, i haven't made them that much money yet <laughs> uh what what's your take on the uh the Curse of Cowboys. Everybody's in on it. Are you as high on it as everybody else? It's awesome. I love the cursive. I've, I'm in the the cursive camp. I think the cursive has been years in waiting. So I dug it. I like the the orange uh, orange numbers. You know the white white top, white shorts, and uh, black cursive with the little orange around the outline of the cowboys. I thought it was awesome. Pure you classic s- look. Yeah, it's so good, and I I love it when they wear it for the Remember the Ten uh, game, what whichever game they honor the. They do the memorial thing. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see the uh, shoes that uh, we need? A, we're doing a shoe report right now, but did you did you see the shoes that Tavares Shine was wearing on Saturday? I did not. They were the Jordan Elevens um, with the uh, like the Carolina blue on the on the outline or like on the outside of them. Oh, are they they're Westbrooks? No, no. Okay. Do, you don't you don't know what Jordan Elevens are? Oh, oh I don't my know. Gosh. I, I wear like you know house shoes and Pumas. You you cover you cover basketball for a living. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Google Jordan Elevens. You'll you'll recognize them. Okay, just classics. Yeah, they're they're the best. Carson's gonna be embarrassed when he listens to this. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the the you know the uniform matchup on Saturday was was great. It was just a just OU's you know classic look against Oklahoma State's classic look. Who, who, what's you cover a lot of teams across the country. What what team has stood out to you in terms of of uniforms? And you're like, wow, I really like what what that team wears. I mean, I I, I kind of feel I like I I tend to lean towards like the classic looks. Um, so for that reason, I think I like North Carolina probably the most. Just like the baby blue, I like the little slim, uh, slim straps that that Jordan Brand has hooked them up with, um, and they've got like a little bit of a pattern on the sides on each side. That's probably my favorite. It's just North Carolina. When I think of like my favorite 
college basketball uniform. I think of, you know, the baby blue Jordans. Yeah, that was. I think Carolina had my favorite uh, national uniforms growing up. I always tried to get like Carolina shorts and uh, different stuff like that. So I yeah. like that pick. Uh, okay, let's go here one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Kyle, can't let you leave without uh, talking to you about recruiting. Uh, big recruiting weekend again in Stillwater over the weekend. What uh, what has stood out to you over the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, either football or basketball recruiting when it comes to Oklahoma State? Uh, well, it's been mostly bas- or mostly football um, just because uh, signing day is, is coming uh, quickly. Um so I think it, I think probably what stood out to me most is just the fact that they've been able to address some of the the major issues that they had uh, just in this 2018 class. You know, Israel Antoine decommitted uh, just before signing period in December, uh, which left them with no defensive tackles. And uh, this weekend they picked up two defensive tackles. They picked up a kid from Modern Day, Samuela uh, Tualhalamaka. I uh, totally botched his name. And, uh, and a junior college kid, Amadou Fofana. Um, so two defensive line prospects who have committed this weekend that uh, that fills up their 2018 class with 25 players. So I thought I thought they did a really good job of, you know, identifying that, hey, they have a major deficiency on the defensive line and uh, picked up some kids who, you know, Samuela was a really under-the-radar kid and Fofana essentially had no offers or no no meaningful offers so be curious to see how they can perform and um you know Fofana is a junior college kid so hopefully he can come in and play um I don't know if that'll be be the case but really interesting to see kind of how those two late additions uh, develop and you know if they can contribute at OSU yeah, that will be interesting. Have you noticed any uptick in terms of offering four or five star guys that we always complain Oklahoma State doesn't get uh, since Oklahoma State has won ten games in each of the last three years, or has it kind of just been business as usual, getting the the three stars and the you know two stars and under the radar guys? Uh, I think it's almost like a you could go position by position, like. Uh, the offensive line, for example, Josh Henson is recruiting at like a near elite level. I would say he offered two four-star recruits this weekend. Um, one was in town, William William Putnam, who's actually got a brother who's a wrestler at OSU, um, and then another one, Brandon Brown, out of uh, Helotus, Texas, an offensive guard, four-star prospect. Um, and Henson's just recruiting at a really good level right now, and he brought in five offensive linemen last cycle um so he's kind of got the luxury of skimming off the top of you know the elite prospects and kind of working his way down ever so slowly um you look at maybe some of the defensive line targets that have been offered recently 
most of them are three-star prospects. Um, some of them are completely unranked. And then, you know, wide receiver uh, offer this weekend, Elijah Higgins, a three-star prospect from Austin. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of those cases where some of these kids might be three-stars now or unranked now, but uh, six months down the line, they might be four or five-star prospects when, you know, Texas or OU or whoever offers. So, um I would say right now, if you're going to rank the positions by who's recruiting at the highest level, I would say Josh Henson's probably recruiting at the highest level. Casey Dunn is probably right there next to him, uh, the wide receiver coach. Running back, I think, is going to probably be fine, but right now he hasn't he hasn't landed anyone uh, for 2019. So, um, yeah, I think I think overall they're doing okay as a coaching staff, though. I don't think they're ever going to get to the point where they're consistently offering five-star guys and landing them, but um, they're doing a good job overall, I think. Are you excited about uh, Mike Boynton bringing in the Boone brothers in basketball? I hope so. <laughs> it's my cousins. No, I wish. Yeah, Caleb and Keelan Boone offered this weekend uh, Tulsa Memorial standouts in, in basketball. I, I would love that. I love it. Boynton's all over the Tulsa area too. That's uh, that's not his first Tulsa target. So hopefully he comes down to Tulsa and makes me an offer sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think you told me the next uh, basketball or the last basketball signing period for this year is uh, is it beginning of May, end of April? Yeah, yeah. And then that's it. That's all they have. So they they need to probably land. I would say they need to have a point guard. Really, is that is who they need to to bring in. I don't think there's any current targets on the uh, on the radar. So they may have to go the grad transfer route again, which would be not ideal, but it, it you know it's possible. Yeah, they're currently ranked. Uh, what is it? 80th, 82nd. In, they're right behind Rice and Long Beach State in terms of recruiting rankings for basketball. <laughs> wow. But OU's ranked a hundredth. So, you know, Texas A&M's 93rd, like there, there's still time. And, and basketball is weird because you get one guy and you jump 50 spots in the rankings or whatever. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I'm not super worried about it, but I would like to see them, uh, get a big name, get, get some, get some guys and still, I was talking to somebody about this after the game, might've been my parents, but, you can only do so much as a coach if you don't have guys. And yep. I think that Boynton has the potential to be a, a, a good coach in the big 12. But again, you got to have guys. And, you know, he said on this podcast that he's obsessed with recruiting. That's a lot of why he was hired, I think. And uh, hopefully the, the results will start rolling in. Yeah. I still think it will probably be another year before they start reeling in like, recruits at a a level that is going to help them compete at the high level in the big 12 but um just because it takes time to build relationships and be able to foster you know trust with with recruits and things like that but um like i said i'm all in on boyton so i'm irrationally excited about it is it good that duke has uh four of the top eight players coming in from next year (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was doing Saturday. I was watching the OSU game and watching Zion Williamson stunningly spurn Clemson and pick Duke. I was so stunned. And (laughs) everyone in our CBS Slack was like, he picked Duke. You know, I mean, Gary Parish had a column written for Clemson and 
Matt Norlander was skiing on a mountain in Vermont and he had written a, a column on Zion committing to Clemson. And now everyone's like, well, let's just start over. You know, Duke has the top three players in the class now. It's just, that's unbelievable. I don't even know why we play the games anymore. Okay, man. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on. How, how's the reload podcast going? Are you doing good? It's good. Yep. We're going to have a guest this week, hopefully tomorrow. I got my computer back and working, so nice. Uh, should have a, a big guest on the uh, on the schedule tomorrow, so that should be up yeah, t- either Tuesday or, or Wednesday, so look for that. Yeah, it's been great just just having, uh, having different recruits on and different people to talk about recruiting. I think people have really been into it, so good job on that. Good job at CBS, and we will talk soon. Cool. Thanks for having me on. See ya. See ya.